I'm your producer, Todd Bartu, and this is the Offshore Explorer. Offshore Explorer looks at the world from the sailor's point of view, port by port. Together, we share stories that detail the important intersections between sailing culture and life, past, present, and future. Let me introduce our host, a lifelong sailor who has traveled the world, from mega yachts to tugboats to iceboats, and a published author who has written for both stage and screen, Captain Scott Todson. Hey Todd, how you doing today? We got a little uh, small craft warning out here. It's very sunny. Uh, very windy, actually. Um, probably with 15 to 20 knot winds gusting. Um, got some nice little white caps, and my sea state is about four. So that leads us into what this week's episode is all about. And what, it, what is this week's episode all about? <laughs> Tell me. This week, I, I talk about sea states. It's it's a actual measurement. There's the Douglas and the Buford scale. Uh, one is from being on land, on um, the ocean, which is the Douglas scale, and Buford is actually from the uh, shore side. And what they do is they they measure uh, states of the sea. So when you get a weather report, and they say that the sea state is a three or a four or a nine or whatever, you'll know. Um, exactly what it w- looks like and what it um, what it'll feel like how much wind is how much the swell is how much the, the waves are whether there's white caps whether there's foam whether there's spray so all of that uh, is something that the sailor needs to know but um, and as usual I take it one step too far and try to link a uh, theory from a very famous doctor um, Dr. Emoto um about the relationship of water and humans a few years ago i wrote a script titled the history of water the script was shopped around town to some notable directors and stars and was optioned in fact it's still under option An option is when a film or production company locks up the script by paying me money while it puts together the financing, the actors, the directors, you know, everything that's involved in the show. Now, this process can take years, and the results are often not a movie. I have made a lifetime of money essentially optioning scripts. So when a movie actually does get made, it's somewhat of a miracle because there's so many forces that are against it. And I bring this up because some of you have asked some questions about, you know, if you're on a boat, how do I make a living? What can I do? Can I do this? Can I do that? And and I don't know what to tell you what to do, but I I do know that um, earning money while cruising and earning money while supporting your habit of sailing um, can be very, very daunting because there's always a compromise between wanting to stay out on the water and wanting to buy that new piece of electronic kit or, or sails or whatever the, you know, new lines, whatever you have going for yourself and that you want to change and then having to go out and earn the money. Now, not all boaters can just write a check. 
there are some voters that can write a check, and that's probably the interesting aspect of this industry as opposed to other industries is that it's very top-heavy with people with a lot of money. But the majority of people pretty much don't have that much money to put into their boats, but through hook or crook can, you know, get their boat going and and enjoy the sea and, and sailing as much as anybody with a millions of dollars. And this is really important because uh, you kind of have to make sailing accessible to yourself. So my job, along with chartering, which I've discussed many times, um, was to write movies and television shows. And it's what I do. Um, It's my second passion, as well as my first passion, which is supporting my beautiful angel, Paulette McWilliams, and her musical career, um, which she's completely independent. I, when I say support, basically I carry the bags. Um, that's what I do. That's my job. And um, anything that I can give and support emotionally or whatever, um, that's what I do for Paulette. And I urge people to listen to her new album, A Woman's Story. It's a classic jazz album that I think you'll find... Uh, Really, really, really sweet. Fantastic, actually. So how does this all relate to sailing? Well, I've been around and in boats of all types since I was a boy. I've scrubbed, I've sanded, I've washed, I've painted, I've varnished. And much more than just hanging around a marina looking for a few extra bucks, I have spent an enormous amount of time trying to get rides on different boats, um, trying to figure out what the next cool thing is going to be. I've, I've gone out racing. I've, you know, hung on the rail. I've, I've raced myself. I've, I've won races. Um, I've been thrown out of races. I've all sorts of stories there and I've worked professionally in high school. I started handling a skiff that we were building a breakwater um, for in the summer in Lake Erie. Um, And I worked on the Great Lakes in a a steam-driven ore boat for Republic Steel. I ran a tug in New York Harbor. I helmed all sorts of powerboats and sailboats. With yachts and boats in my background, I largely focused on becoming a writer. So... At the time, the maritime industry supported my habit of wanting to be a writer. And like Hemingway, I believe that life experiences and living your life inform your mind, inform your spirit, and thus inform your writing. So I am very much into this, my life is dedicated to my writing, my other part of my life is dedicated to sailing, being on the water, making a living on the water. That is my, that is my bubble. That's what I do. Now I want to get back to this script because I think it's kind of important in a way. Um, the history of water. So it's based, um, and I should I should back up and say that I was. I was just sort of entertaining an idea, and a friend of mine said, you know, Sky, he said, uh, you've not written anything romantic. 
you know, you've written a lot of uh, some thrillers. Um, you've written some very, very sort of artsy films. You've written some biopics, which I've done a lot of biopics. And he said, but you haven't written anything romantic. And I'm always trying to find some sort of hook to make a romantic story kind of, you know, vibrant and interesting, not the same old, same old, same old. So I ran across this new age concept promoted by this Japanese scientist named Dr. Masara Emoto. He was, he's a new age guru and he uh, kind of proved that water, its molecules, change their structure when different stimulus are applied. So he set out, and he has an experiment. It's, it's been photographed and videotaped, everything, okay? So it's, this, is, this is like not that far out, but it's interesting and where it goes, I have no idea. And he set out this experiment. And, and the reason I'm talking about this experiment and molecular structures is because the sailors were on the water all the time. Okay, so this relationship between our bodies and our souls, for that matter, and the water is a kind of interesting uh, exam. There's a, there's a lot to be examined in that. Okay, so he would play music to the water. He would play like first he started playing metal music, then some country, some romantic music. He played opera. And in each case, the water molecules changed its arrangement in a unique way. So the metal was different from the romantic or the opera. Uh, it was different from the country. So they were all different. And he has lots of documented evidence. And this guy is way bigger. If you haven't heard of him, he's way bigger in the world than you could possibly imagine. So I, I thought this was a kind of cool idea. And I thought, well, how can I fashion a story around this concept what could i do with this concept to kind of make it make it more interesting and let me be straight with you i'm not a new age kind of guy i don't like to i don't take vitamins because i don't think they really do anything i don't trust a lot of stuff i'm suspicious of doctors it's everything my wife can do to get me to go to one i just you know i whatever um i i like i'm i stay grounded and i only let certain things into my life and just a basic rule if it's advertised on television it's useless and i won't take it i don't need it but this water crystal thing fascinated me and for different reasons than your touchy-feely malibu crystal curing vegan yoga instructor reasons. I felt that the influence was coming in a different direction. Not us to change the water molecules, but the water to change us. I came to this after decades of sailing and observing. Once I took the kind of natural arrogance of, you know, uh, man imposing his will in, in the equation of, of his being and his presence on this earth, once I took that out, that kind of arrogance, I began to see the different sea states affected me 
in very discernible ways. Now, C-state is a kind of standard measurement. And if you've been around, you'll get um, meteorological uh, reports, and they will have C-states mentioned in the organization's uh, code. Now, the code adopts a kind of Win-C definition, which there's two scales. There's the Douglas C scale and the Buford scale. So let's st start with the World Meteorological C-State Code and how it adopts to the Wind of Sea. So they have a number of categories, um, basically up to nine, all right? And they start out where the characteristics and wave height, wave height is zero, characteristics are calm and glassy, that's a zero, um, point, up to 0.1 meters, it's about 0.33 feet, um, is calm but rippled, that'd be the first sea state. Number two is, is uh, 1.1 to uh, 0.5 meters, that's like almost four inches to a foot, which are smooth wavelets. And then number three um, is like one foot eight inches to four foot one inches. And that number three is called slight. Okay. Number four is from the four foot one inch to eight feet two inches, which is called moderate. Now, when you start thinking like eight feet, like it's eight feet, you go to your house, you know, and you mark it on your wall. Eight feet seems awfully tall to be simply moderate. Um, but in the ocean with everything rolling and the ups and downs, yeah, it's, and this is wind-driven. So remember that. It's not so swell-driven so much. Then from eight, point, 8 feet 2 inches to 13 feet, it's considered rough, and that's number 5. Number 6 is 13 to 20 feet. It's considered very rough. Number 7 is 20 to 30 feet, which is considered high. And number eight is 30 feet to 46 feet, which is considered very high. And number nine, 46 feet and above, which is considered phenomenal. Phenomenal. I love that. These are the sea states. And the characteristic of the sea swell that's within these sea, sea states is um, zero is no swell. Um Short and average and long would be low. Moderate would be short, average, and long. And high would be short, average, and long. And then nine would be confused. So you're going to get these numbers. Um, for example, you might end up getting um, the Douglas C state saying it, it is five uh, with a C swell of four. You might get uh, seven which is high waves, and number eight, which is the sea swell. So these are ways of looking at the, at the ocean and their sailing so that you understand how to quantify these different sea states. Now, I kind of also look at them as sort of emotional sea states. 
because I have found I'm much more anxious as a sailor when there's very little wind and the water is calm and glassy. This is all very nice. It's serene if it's glassy and you're in a power boat and you're cruising along at 25 knots and it's just smooth as glass. That's great. But if you're a sailor and you're just puttering along at five or six knots, it's not so great. It creates anxiety in me. The relationship between what's going on in my body and what's going on in the ocean is there's a direct thing. So as the waves get bigger, as the swell gets bigger, as the sea state changes to being, God forbid, phenomenal, and I don't think I've ever been in phenomenal 46 feet or above. I've been around some 40-foot waves, but uh, not breaking, just on tops of big swells. I get more serene. I get more, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's this Zen kind of feeling that I get. It's kind of weird. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of you get the same thing, especially people who are cruising and you're, you know, you're sort of going across and you going down big waves and going up the next wave. And you know, you've got a little luff in the sail, then the sail fills and the wind's going. And then once you get past what's technically happening happening to you around the boat, there is this movement, this sense of connection between how the sea moves and how your body and your mind feels. So the second uh, measure is the Buford Sea States. And Buford Sea States is a code um, that actually is uh, for people that are on shore watching um watching the ocean and there's people that go out every day and they photograph the sea um they use binoculars for an accurate assessment um and they they write all this stuff down and this is a part of what's going on so their sea states are pretty pretty um easy um the zero sea state is sea like a mirror. Um, it's under one knot. Smoke rises vertically. There are also some land uh, uh, indicators. And um, like in sea state one, um, wind uh, motion is visible in smoke. This is like one, three knots. There's some ripples. And number two, there's a small wavelet over okay no white caps um, the wind is felt on the exposed skin and leaves rustle which is kind of interesting isn't it? it's almost poetic and the wave height is 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 less than than 18 inches in sea state three the conditions are large wavelets a few white caps here and there and it's 7 to 10 knots. And I described the wind speed as leaves and twigs in constant motion. Yeah, I know. This fourth sea state is small waves, fairly frequent uh, white caps, and uh, dust and loose paper raised. Small branches begin to move. 11 to 16 knots. This is what most of us um, like to sail in, is sea state four, 11 to 16 knots. We can go along with that pretty easy. 
And then C state five is moderate waves, many white caps. Spray is possible. And the wind speed is between 17 and 21 knots. If you're a Caribbean sailor, you'll, you'll see this um, quite a bit when you're outside the islands, when you don't have the islands uh, blocking the wind for you. The branches of the tree um, of moderate size begin to sway. That's wave heights of uh, six feet, two meters. And then sea state six, you have large waves with foam crests, spray probable, 22 to 27 knots. Large branches move around and whistling can be heard overhead in the wires. So these are the, these are the states and this is how they go about measuring them. So the next time you go out, just um, figure out what it looks like to you, apply these different measurements. And when you listen to a uh, weather forecast from NOAA, they will tell you about the, what the sea state is. They'll just give you sea state six. Boom. And that way you'll know exactly that it's a, they're large waves with white foam crests probable spray 22 to 27 knots you'd be able to put it right in your head and do that so it's a good thing to know but i want to get back to this this concept of of i'm tying together a, a film that i wrote um and 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 that's how i make make a living to support my habit of sailing and even though i have worked constantly um in the marine industry so once i took this sort of you know, concept that I'm looking at the world as if the different sea states are are my uh, doing. In other words, I see the sea states, I understand, and then I then I see the whole world from my point of view. And we all have this tendency to believe that what we're thinking and feeling affects the elements outside because of our will and our perception of will. And once it is pointed out to us, okay, as I'm doing here, that we're simply projecting, okay, and once we kind of get our head around it, we realize that we're just doing some sort of bullshit thing for us to try to understand the world and control the world. But on the ocean, we don't control the world. We control our vessel, our vessel that's on the water. And the wind and the sea state is absolutely vital because our vessel has to be controlled, guided by us, and while that's happening, we are being affected deeply and unconsciously by the state of the sea. So let's look at it this way. Up to about 60% of the human adult body is water. And the brain and the heart are con composed of about 73% of water and the lungs are about 83% of water. And this is biological chemistry, pretty well understood, not a big deal. So imagine this, you have 40% of dense stuff, I mean, your bones maybe. Huh? So you go and you take a swim and you're fully immersed in the ocean. 
60% of you is connected, literally connected to the ocean. And I ask, I ask you, don't you think there's some kind of effect going on with your body and that connection? Well, Dr. Emoto thinks so. And a surprising number of the touchy-feely set also think so. But they all insist on creating a narrative which is just about their ego and not about the reality. I mean, I personally feel the effect of the ocean. I can stand on the deck of my boat. I feel the roll and the pitch of the ocean. And I develop a kind of state of passive understanding with the ocean. At least I'm physically, I'm physically in tune, and that affects how I think, how I perceive. Okay? Now I can measure that perception through sea states. So combining these powerful forces with the quote-unquote intellectual understanding that I can't do anything about the past, I can't do anything about the future, it's just a waypoint, and I'll only be gaining six, seven knots, and I am naturally forced to be in the present. This is intellectually what happens to me. So I'm in the present intellectually. And my brain, which is like a hyperactive monkey, most of the time on land, when I start sailing, I become docile, clear, wholesome, focused, calm, zen-like. And for those who have listened to the podcast, uh, Don't Yell at Me, those people that yell and do that kind of stuff, those people can't get rid of their monkey brain. But I want to get back to my story, the history of water. So I made up this new premise on the history of water um, and Dr. Emoto's work. This is a fiction after all. And, and in fiction, all you can do, all you do is bend the universe to your storyline. You know, if it seems plausible, it'll work. Yeah, okay, that's good. Suspension of disbelief. I suggest in the story, and I was writing it as a mystery romantic thriller, that water, and this is important, that water carries in it human emotions. In other words, all of human emotion, every human emotion you ever had, has somehow come down on some droplet of water and into your body, some part of that 60%, there is there is a concentration or a lack of concentration of some sort of historical emotion that water carries with it. Okay? So let's let that sink in a little bit. So water carries human emotions. So for example, now this is not true. This is I'm making this up. But it has a point to, to all sailors. For example, if a drop of water touched by, say, Joan of Arc somehow touched you, you would experience the love of God with the same passion. Conversely, if a drop of water from Jack the Ripper touched you, you would feel the urge to kill or at least lurk around alleyways in foggy London. That's the premise, and that's the conflict. 
So the logline of it is Eve. She's uh, a doctor. Um, she gets the first little bit of water on her, emotional water, in the desert in Sudan. She checks into a sanatorium to find out if she, if she is crazy or if it's the water that's caused her craziness. And her husband, who is a famous scientist, who studies this emotional connection between what water is and the purity and what emotion is and how it's moved through life and history and how it affects people, and he's concentrated all this stuff, he has disappeared. question is, is he dead? Did she kill him? Was it the water's fault? Is she just mad? So this is the this is the point of fiction. This is the point of creativity. But within anything you create, there's always some sort of nugget of truth. And the nugget of truth in this is to ask yourself, what's your history of water? You know? Where did it start for you? Why are you the guy that wants to be on the water or the gal who wants to be on the water? What is it doing to you privately, you know, unconsciously? Do you, are you aware of what's going on? So I like to write things that we don't understand what influences are happening to us. We don't understand. We try, you know, as humans, we always try to structure a narrative on how to understand the world. Okay, but what if it's just the world has its own narrative and we're just, you know, like a little cork bobbing around in the ocean, moving through life with little or no control. So my history of water, my history, my relationship with water started when I was a boy. I was very uh, fortunate that both my grandfathers were water oriented my father was actually a, a pilot. He hated the water. Um, my grandfather, my one grandfather, um, was a sailor, and he helped me buy my first boat, Steppenwolf, which I've talked about. And he used to sail a small dinghy um, in Egg Harbor, New Jersey. Shout out to New Jersey. And I learned at his feet um, from the time that I could walk. Uh, basically, uh, I was, I remember having a life vest put on me. The life vest was actually bigger than I was and plopped down on the seat and off we would go. My other grandfather had a little tiny, uh, ski boat and I remember it as being yellow and red. It was very flashy with a little windshield, you know, and, um, we used to water ski up on uh, and go fishing on Lake Wallenpaulpack in northeastern Pennsylvania. Shout out to Lake Wallenpaulpack and Pennsylvania. But he was also a sailor of ice boats. And I, during the winter, this is what I would do. I would, I would, I would, if the lake froze and was cold enough, which it seemed like it every winter it seemed like it was. We would go out and, and at least a couple of days a year um, get on his ice boat and sail around. 
Um, and I and I write about this, and it's it's a very deep relationship that I have with both grandfathers, and it is around this sense of what water is, because I've always felt safe on water. I've always felt emotionally secure on water, and I know a lot of people don't, and this is kind of a weird thing for people. Getting on the water, there's this fear, there's there's a lot of things. I had a woman write me, oh, I would love to go sailing, but I can't swim. And I, I joked that, um, well, you know, sailing you have is about staying in the boat. It's not, you, know, you don't have to swim to sail. You sit in the boat and stay dry. So there's a lot of irrational thinking that goes on with this. But I thought... I would introduce this idea of what the sea states are because for me, sea states and emotional states are kind of related in a weird way for a sailor. And I'd love to hear your opinions of this. Remember, History of Water is fiction. It's just made up stuff. Okay. Um, One day I hope the, the movie gets made. Uh, it's gone through a lot of changes and a lot of iterations, and a lot of revisions. And the film business is the film business. But to be honest, I this is how I've made my um, other living. Um, I've written for both French TV, Italian TV, some film people in Europe. And um, it's something that uh, I always found rewarding. It's what I do. It's one of my crafts, and it obviously it comes out in the podcast. You know, but sailing is sailing is where I plant my flag. It's where I feel most comfortable. And it's the water that makes the connection, the ocean that makes the connection between how my body feels and my soul feels and the rest of my life. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to rate and review. You can find us on Facebook and at offshoreexplorer.org. Our theme song is sung by Paulette McWilliams, with additional music by Amanu Itomi and Tommy Twain. Until next time, fair winds and calm seas.